what does it mean to dwell in the secret place? So we took the first uh, whole lesson last week. Here's a few things. The secret place is not the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It's not the Holy of Holies. And it's not your prayer closet. So I'll leave that up there for a minute. You can fill that in. Not the tabernacle, not the Holy of Holies, or your prayer closet. We said this last week. To dwell means to remain, to sit, to abide, have one's abode, to marry, to give dwelling, and to be inhabited. And what we landed on is a secret place couldn't just be a geographical location because it would be very difficult to abide in one geographical location your whole life or to dwell in a geographical location. Where we're going to take you is then what is the secret place if it's not just a location? We're going to try to deep dive this thinking tonight, but we, we settled on this. The secret place translates a lot in every different version. It translates it a little different from shelter to covering to hiding place, to secrecy, to protection. So when you see the secret place, uh, it kind of has this meaning. Uh, I think the NIV version says you'll, you'll abide under the protection of God. And I want to take you uh, to stretch your thinking a little bit, and I believe you'll be blessed tonight. Here it is. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I want to touch base on this scripture we're going to pull out of why I've gone the way I've gone because the term shadow and the term most high are going to help us understand what is God thinking when he refers to himself as the most high and what is the secret place. So this is what we picked up last week. We went to Lucifer and the reason we went to Lucifer is because if God is eternal, then the secret place existed before a human being built a place. So the secret place must have been something connected to God. So we went back before there was humans and we tried to go back before there was an Adam and Eve and get into the mind of God as He creates these beings. And we get insight into one of those beings He created in Isaiah 14. We read this last week. How you're fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. You're cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mountain of God on the farthest sides of the north. And then this verse is what kind of jumped out at me to let this be our launching point. He said, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And then something very interesting, I'm going to be like the Most High. So there's something about the nature of God and the character of God that caused Lucifer to desire to be it. That caused Lucifer to desire, that's what I want to be. In his created being, there was something that desired more. And it wanted the more, but the more he wanted was to be like the Most High. And so where I want to take you over the next 15 weeks, I want to take you that the, the secret place is coming to understand how you dwell into the nature and character of the Most High God and what it means for us. Here's what we looked at last week. We took the concept of Lucifer. We left off, short, I think, one more slide before we get into tonight. The thinking that hurts us is when we think of Satan, the devil, the dragon, whatever he's termed throughout the Bible. He has a lot of names, the prince of darkness. It's very difficult for Christians to imagine that he was the most incredible created being before Adam and Eve. He was the top dog of all created beings that we would gather and it's very difficult for us to look at Lucifer and think, what about him? Which is the, what I'm trying to pull out tonight. What about Lucifer could be so profound that I could understand the secret place? 
Because you would think the last person or being, the last being to be connected to the secret place would be the devil. So what I have to do is pull you, pull you into the moment before he became what we would say is Satan, the serpent, the dragon, and pull you to a place to where God created this being that we call Lucifer, this morning star. Here's what it means. It means... In the Hebrew, Hillel, it means a shining one, a morning star. And what I want you to focus on, because this is critical, God created a being that the name of the being is a light bearer. It's one that bears the light. Now, as we work this out over the next weeks, the most interesting thing that takes place is this concept of light bearer is going to show up all through the Scriptures. By the time we get to the New Testament, Jesus himself shows up and says, I am the light of the world. John the Baptist says of himself, I'm not the light. But the light that does give light to men has come. Paul will say things like this. Jesus will even say, you're the light of the world. Paul will say, let the light that is within you. So this concept of light and light bearer goes all the way back to pre-human time where God creates a being to bear the light. We want to find out why he did it. I wrote this down last week. This is where we ended. The creation of Lucifer as light bearer gives us the root to understanding the secret place of the Most High. The creation of Lucifer as light bearer gives us the root understanding to the secret place of the Most High. And this is what I want to deep dive tonight because to me... It takes me to a place to get inside the mind of God. If God creates this being to bear light, what is God thinking? What does God want? What is the end game of God? Before there was a human, God must have had some purpose in this being called Lucifer, which is why I titled the whole series, The Secret Place Inside the Mind of God, because as we pull it all out, we will see the mind of God playing out all through Scripture in relationship to this thought of Lucifer, the light bearer. Let's jump into lesson two. Here's my thought for tonight. To understand the secret place, we turn our thoughts toward the concept of covering. And this is critical because it's all through the Bible. We're going to study Lucifer tonight and his covering, but it's all through the Bible. We'll pull it out as we go. Uh, the covering of earth, what God covers the earth with. He covers the earth with grass and trees, and there's water there. With the high priest, he covers them with a garment. The tabernacle, he covers it with cloth. The Ark of the Covenant, he covers it with a mercy seat. All through the Bible, God has always been a God that, that has this concept of covering things. So this is what I want to focus on tonight is the word covering and what does it mean for the secret place. So we go back to what I believe is a prophetic insight in Ezekiel 28 of Lucifer. And it's connected to Exodus 28. We'll, we'll pull that out in a few weeks. Ezekiel 28 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. I'll tell you why I don't think it could be him. And say to him, thus says the Lord God, you are the seal. Now here it comes. You're the seal of perfection, wisdom, and beauty. So whatever God's about to do, he's going to say what I've done is not something cheap. It's a perfected beauty that shows forth my wisdom. 
And this concept of these three things, perfection, wisdom, and beauty, are going to play out all through Scripture as well. Jesus comes and says, be perfect as I am perfect. Jesus says he's the wisdom of the Father. He's both power and wisdom. It plays out everywhere we go. If you get into the high priest and the works of all the animals, it's the wisdom of God. You had to bring the perfect animal. And so here he goes and says, now here's why I think it's referring to Lucifer and not the king of Tyre. He says, you were in Eden. Well, according scripturally, we only know of two people that were ever in Eden. Adam and Eve, and as soon as they sin, they're booted out. So when he says you were in Eden, the assumption is that there was this being, this angelic being of Lucifer that was placed in the Garden of Eden to rule and reign. And he says this, every precious stone was your covering. There it is. So when I talk about this angel, this cherub, this angelic being, it says that God covered him, and he covered him with nine things, Sardis, Two topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The most interesting thing is, why would God take one of these angelic beings and in, in a strange way, all over the being, put these stones that were on him to represent something? We'll go in a few weeks, we'll pull it out because these nine stones are the same stones that are in the high the, the high priest's breastpiece. So all the stones of the Old Testament and the high priest, all of these show up there. And so there has to be some connection of what God is trying to do with this angelic being. He says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. So this thought of a, of a cherub who covers is very interesting because it's going to force us to dig this thing out and say, what is God trying to show us in, in the design of this cherub who is Lucifer who will become the devil? Because once we kind of deep dive who Lucifer is, we understand what the devil is trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish. He said, you are the anointed cherub who covers and I've established you. You are on the holy mountain of God and you walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Here's what the word cherub means. It means an angelic being. These beings show up at, at the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sin. God says, I, I put an angel, that's the word cherub, there to guard the tree of life. The cherubs show up around the throne of God. Uh, if you go study it out, they're the ones that are going holy, holy, holy. And in the Old Testament... God puts the cherub over the Ark of the Covenant with the two wings that are touching. So in these ways, these cherubs show up, but it's not just by mistake because the angels that show up, the angel that shows up at the garden is, is in charge of covering this thing of the life of God. So God places this being, this angelic being in front of the tree of life to say, no, you can't come back here and have life. So one thing we can gather about a cherub is a cherub was a being that would guard the life of God. The next one was they show up around the throne of God and they say, holy, holy, holy. So the, these angelic cherubs are connected to the holiness of God. So they're connected to His life and they're connected to His holiness. And then finally, they're connected to His mercy. So as God's creating this being we call Lucifer... God creates this being that is a being that's going to be connected to life, 
going to be connected to holiness and going to ultimately be connected to His mercy, to His covenant that God makes. And in that, here's where it becomes interesting. He says of this being, you are the anointed cherub Lucifer who covers. I established you and you were on the holy mountain of God. And so the question is, what did he cover? What was his job? What was Lucifer's job to cover that God created him for? There's no Adam and Eve yet. Why would God create this being with all of these jewels on him to do something? And then again, the question is, what does that have to do with the secret place? The word cover means to hedge, to fence about, to cover oneself as a protector and to overshadow. So Lucifer's original goal is that he was to hedge, to be a fence, to be a protector, and to overshadow. So God creates this being and says to this being, you have a job. Your job is that you will hedge and fence about, you'll cover, you'll protect, and you'll overshadow this thing. My belief is his job was to overshadow the creation of earth. His job was to overshadow and protect the creation of the earth. It's why he will say, I'm going to ascend above the clouds. I'm going to ascend above the stars. I am going to take my throne, which is very interesting, his throne on the earth where he was in charge to overshadow the earth, to guard the earth, to protect the earth. And he goes and says, I don't want that job. I want the job of the Most High. I want his throne. Now there's an interesting thought about Lucifer, his name being light bearer. He's the one that bears the light, not the one that creates the light. So his job that he was given is that he would reflect on earth the very light and holiness and the very uh, majesty of God. As God would shine from heaven, it would reflect on the jewels of Lucifer and the glory of God would be distributed on the earth as the one that bore the light. So as he would go up and down, we know that from the book of Job, he would go up and down into the courts of God, he would meet in the heavenlies with God, and when he met with God, he would take the light of God as a light bearer back to the earth and distribute that light out to the earth so that the earth could know the glory of God. That's what he was supposed to do. But somewhere, we'll talk about it next week because our question is what happens when he rebels? But God set this up that the earth, you know, we often say that Satan originally, Lucifer, would bring glory to God. It wasn't that he would bring glory to God. He was to reflect the glory of God to the earth. So all the creation of earth, all of the animals or whatever was here before Adam and Eve could know the majesty, the holiness, and the life of God. So it says this, what is he reflecting if he's the one that bears the light? Psalm 104, 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you're very great and you're clothed with honor and majesty. Listen to this, I love this verse. Verse 2. Who cover yourself with light as with a garment. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. And my thinking as I've been studying this is... We say God is light, and in Him there's no darkness. This verse says that God covers Himself with a garment as of light. 
So imagine if you're the creator of all and you cover yourself with light and you're the creator of light and according to John, you are the light. What do you do? You create a being that bears the light to the creation. So here I am as the creator of it all. Here's this beautiful being with all of these stones and these stones are going to radiate back to me the life that I give to take down there so that everyone will see the light of the glory of God invested into this angelic being. So that God's glory could be known through this angelic being that's bearing the light of God. Because God is light. So my thought was, could it be that Lucifer, who was covered in stones, was to bear the light of God, who himself was covered in light, so that the earth could see God's glory in the shadow of the light. Now that's my thinking. And it's going to be a thought, but I'll try to teach it over the next weeks. But at least get your brain thinking. Could it be that Lucifer, who was covered in stones, this cherub, who was said that your, your job is to cover... He was to bear the light of God as a light bearer he, who himself, God, was covered in light. And he would take that light to the earth so that the world could stand in the shadow of God's glory. Now here's where it becomes really interesting. When you read Psalm 91, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that just, if you just read past it, like, man, that's pretty good. I guess I like that. But the thought of it is, is that God is so powerful that when He places His light into one of His beings, wherever those beings go, they cast the shadow of God's glory. I know that may be a little out there, so I'll try to explain what I mean. Everybody in the room understands a shadow. So if I come over here and I stand like this, that light is creating a shadow on the wall. And it's very frustrating when we try to edit. There's all these shadows all over the wall. You don't think anything of it. All you think is, well, this, this shadow is not me, but it is me. Because if I remove myself, there's no shadow. And if I put myself back up, there's the shadow. So the shadow is me, but it's not me. The shadow is a reflection of the light that is shining, that hits my life, that projects the shadow of that life onto the wall. So take that one concept that everybody in the room knows of a shadow. Yeah, I like that, right? It's okay, Siri. That's, that's profound. Yeah. It would be nice to hear God go, there's no shadow in you at all. But take that strange thought that there's a being that bears the light and is to take that light to the creation of God as a light bearer so that the creation can know the light through the shadow that is presented through that light. So that, it's a terrible rendition of Lucifer, But when the light hits her, 
it reflects the shadow of the being and not just the shadow of the woman reflecting the glory of God. So that when you come to the New Testament and we casually read and Peter's shadow passed over people and they got healed. And we go, well, that's weird. It's weird if you just think his shadow passed somebody and the shadow healed them. But if you understand this concept that goes all the way back to Lucifer, what you find is this light bearer called Lucifer was to take the light of God from the throne to bear the light to the creation so that the creation could know the glory of God and wherever that being's light went, it would hit this person and when the shadow was casted off of her, it would be from the light of the glory that was shining on her and though it was her shadow, it would be due to the glory of God shining on her. Does that make sense? So that the shadow that I see is due to the glory of God shining on me. So that wherever I saw a shadow, I would say, well, that is the glory of God. Well, why is it the glory of God? Because He's the light of all. It's why on day one, He throws light back in the mix. He puts Himself and He eliminates the darkness. So when you read that about Peter, his shadow passed by and they got healed what you have to know is that God took a human, which we're going to study this, really ticked Lucifer off. Because the human is not the light bearer. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And he said, I have put my life in you. For the light that lights every man, John 1, has shined upon you. Paul says in Ephesians, you are children of the light. Walk as such. So the, so the thinking is, when Mark Evans gets born again, the light of God enters me. The glory of God enters me. And when the glory of God enters me, Colossians 1, Christ in me, the hope of glory, then wherever I go, I take the power of God with me. So that when you see a shadow... It's Mark's shadow, but if God is dwelling in me, living in me, shining through me, then the shadow being casted up there from that light is distinctly different from the shadow being casted from His glory. One can be seen in the natural, one can be seen in the supernatural. So this concept of God's glory is very powerful. So where I want to take you is... What happens when the light bearer rebels? Because this start, the moment the light bearer gives the middle finger to the light giver and says, I do not want to bear the light anymore. I want my own light. I want to be at the place of the Most High. I don't want to bear the light of the Most High. I want to be the Most High. I'm tired of being a light bearer. And so the concept of where we're going to go is he wanted something that God would never give him. He would never be more than nothing than a created light bearer. So when God comes, I won't go there, I've got to go there next week. 
But think this through. If you are the light bearer, and your job is to take the light, the majesty, the holiness, the life of God, and to reflect that to all creation, that creation through you may worship the Lord's glory. And you decide, eh, the big guy, he's just kind of rude. He wants it all for himself. I'm going to take my throne, exalted above his throne, and I'm going to go from the clouds and the stars, and I will sit at the very pinnacle of the seat of the Most High in the north. I will rule. And so here's the story without getting into the theology of Lucifer's fall. We'll do that next week. But when he falls, it says, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. And from then on, what you get from God is that this light being is now the prince of darkness. Everything connected to him now is dark. Everything connected to him is dark. So the moment he says, you know what? I'm sick of bearing your glory. I want my own glory. And his pride rose up that this is about me. Then what happened is, this is my opinion. I don't have scripture. I think I do, but I'll hold it. My opinion is, uh, my mind's going to go on another rat rabbit. My opinion is, is that the moment he rebelled, God stripped him of his reflectiveness and he became barren so that he could no longer reflect the glory of God. And a person who cannot reflect the glory is dead. It's why Christ in you has to be the hope of glory. Because if there's no light in you, there's no glory. So you have to have the light within you to have the glory. So he, he rebels. Now when he rebels, I believe God strips him of whether he stripped him of his jewels, I don't know. But what I believe God did is, you will no longer reflect me. Now, this is crazy. Because by the time you come to the New Testament, what does it say about Lucifer? He roams around parading himself as an angel of light. He literally still tries to sound like God, look like God, smell like God. It's why it's called deception. So that he takes the darkness that he has, but the darkness that he has, he presents it as light. It's why Jesus will say in his teaching, you better be careful that the light that you have within you is not dark. And the darkness within you is, is light. I mean, this whole concept of, of what's going on before Adam ever got here. Before there was ever a guy and a girl that were said to be in the image of God, there's this battle of, rather than thinking an angel and God, think a battle between the light giver and the light being and the light bearer. Because that concept of light giver being and light bearer is all through the rest of the Bible. The entire rest of the Bible, we find all these things of, of darkness and light, and we find all this in the New Testament that is just even Jesus speaking. No man lights a lamp and hides it under a bed. Let your light shine like the city on a hill. I mean, there's no denying the New Testament 
over and over and over again connects the work of Jesus to the light which we have. And it's because there is this battle going on pre-Adam that is fighting for the glory of God. And I'll tell you next week what I think the secret place is based on this. So the thought becomes, the moment Lucifer rebels, what happens? Remember what he's called. He's called the anointed cherub who covers. And to cover means to protect. It means to overshadow. It means to to forbear over it. So here's my thinking. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Lucifer was the light bearer. He was the one that would take the glory of the light and majesty of God and reflect it in verse 1 of Genesis to this beautiful creation. And somewhere in the mix, he's like, you know, I'm out of here, peace out, I'm rebelling. And God's like, nope, you're not. And I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. Now, where would the being who was created by God, who was created to bear the light of God, who was created to cover God's creation, where would that rebellious creature turn to? He goes right back to the place he was scheduled to be, and verse 2 says, and darkness covers the face of the deep. So the devil, as a gut punch to God, the moment God boots him out, he says, I'll show you why. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance and you've created me to cover, and I used to cover with your glory, but now I'm going to cover with my darkness. And so he comes down over God's creation, and he covers Genesis 1-2, and darkness covered the face of the deep. So there's no denying that from verse 1 to verse 2, God creates this thing, and then there's this covering of darkness. My belief is is that Lucifer was so powerful and he was so gifted by God, the seal of beauty and perfection, that when he said to God, no, God stripped him of the ability to bear light and he's like, I'll show you. And he goes back down to the creation and my belief is he covers all of God's creation in darkness. And here's the most interesting thing that's going to be connected to the secret place. And darkness covered the face of the deep, semicolon, and the Spirit of God was hovering above the water. So there's going to be no denying that if you talk secret place, we cannot get away from this person of the Holy Spirit. Because He is going to be key to our bearing the glory of God. It's why in the New Testament you can't even serve in the kingdom unless you've gone to that room and been filled with the power that I'm going to give you. Don't go anywhere. You're going to try to do it on your own. It'll never work. So get this picture in your mind because this is, this is going to be the launching pad of what is the secret place. A created being, created by God to bear the light of God who is also light, who is clothed in a garment of light, to bear the light to the creation so that the creation may see the glory of God as I shine on them and the shadows are created 
The shadows created are due to the light of his glory. I rebel, and when I rebel, I lose the reflectiveness of his glory, so I cover all of creation in darkness. And so God now, you know, he's never taken by surprise. He's not like, oh, I blew it. Should have never created that little fella. All along, God knew what he was going to do. And this is why the battle becomes so severe. Because what God is going to do is he's, he's going to take another created being. We'll study this next week. But when he creates the being in his likeness, this is strange, he creates him buck naked. Not covered with a dad blame thing. And you know that ticks off Lucifer. I have all these jewels and I can reflect and he gives a naked person with no jewels, with nothing, with no glory on them, with no beautiful sardonics and diamonds and rubies and emeralds, just so flesh. If you've ever wondered why he was created naked, I'll teach you next week why. It was purposeful. It wasn't because God didn't want to make clothes. Like, I just don't have time for day eight to make clothes. Huh? It was very purposeful. To make a man and a woman naked was purposeful not just for the man and the woman. They don't even know it. The nakedness was for the angel to see what God could do with glory once he let it go. And it's just going to spit in the face of this created being named Lucifer. It's why he immediately comes in to attack them. So just, I can't teach on Genesis. You can go back and listen to it, but ponder this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That includes the being of Lucifer who bore the light, who brought the light of God to the creation to see the glory of God. But I rebelled and darkness covered the face of the deep. But God steps in. What's the first thing he does? Verse 3, let there be In other words, I'm going to bring light back into the equation, but here's his, this is God's brilliance. But I'm not going to reflect my glorious light through you. I'm going to expel you with my light, and I'm going to begin a redemptive plan. Here's, oh, whew. I'm going to begin a redemptive plan that by the time I'm done, my planet will be filled with light bearers. And the glory of the Lord will go over all of the earth. But I got to start way back here to get way over there. So this thing called the secret place is very critical because it has to do with this. I'll give you a teaser. The secret place has to do with the holy glory majesty of God displayed in the Holy Spirit as it works in my life that my life may reflect His glory so well that everywhere I go, His shadow is seen of His brilliance. And God has got to work all that out. So that the secret place is not a location, it's an understanding of my identity with His character. So let's ask Michael to come on up. Michael, if you'll come up, stand up with me if you will. I hope that gave you...